at Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. But are friends really friends? If you don't know them, so grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can chat movies like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And this week, I'm joined by Sif Pop Writer Joe. Hey, folks. Joe's back again. Second week of the month, or yeah, second Wednesday of the month. We're talking about comic book movies. We write for SifPop.com. We do movie reviews, best ever challenges, lots of other interesting movie-related articles. Make sure to check out the website, SifPop.com, to keep up with all that. Also want to leave a quick note here that you may have noticed that we haven't been doing the BEC the last couple weeks on the site. Um, that's normal. We have one more that's coming out for year's end but like as we're wrapping up with the year with everybody's holiday schedules and with preparing for the sifties it's just an extra thing on our plate to to have to manage and uh it's just something that goes away for pretty much the start of december to to until the sifties get published which are they're getting published the second and third week of uh january so yeah they, so there will be 10 articles that you could check out then lots of good stuff coming to the site uh but yeah in case you were missing the bec you weren't missing it it was uh, intentional. We do have one more coming out for this year. So, yeah, just wanted to note that. On the podcast, though, on today's show, we're going to talk about a couple coming attractions, and then we'll uh, move on to talking about a comic book film, um, 30 Days of Night. Um, seemed fitting because it's winter. Um, and then uh, we'll do a B-plot, Best Ever Creature Features. We'll do a top five ranked number one, find number one with honorable mentions, uh, and then we'll do a quick spinoff. But first, let's get a chance to talk with Joe for a little bit. Joe, before we get to the thing that I have before you. Uh, I wanted to just give people uh, a quick update on the show. So this is, you know, because this is, you know, relevant. You're on every second Wednesday of the month and that's not changing. Um, we're not changing the way that we do like these signature staples with you and, and then Robert on the fourth week. So um, if you didn't listen to last week, if you're listening for the first time, whatever, we're going to change the format of the show to where it's going to be. We're going to be cutting down two movies from my watch list every week. There's not we're trying to connect themes, but there's not necessarily anything in particular. And we um, for the second Wednesday of the month, we're still going to keep that to um, comic book films. So Joe will still be on every second Wednesday of the month. Um, we're kicking January off with uh, Blade two and three. So we'll get to finish the Blade trilogy. Um, that'll be a lot of fun. Um, we'll also talk about the Ghost Rider films, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. We'll do Ghost of the Shell. We'll do the live action and the anime. We'll do a couple of Batman animated films, Gotham Knight in Year One, and we'll do Speed Racer. So that's the stuff that we'll be covering for the next until ju- June, yeah, end of June. So yeah, so that's not changing. Just wanted to reassure everybody that that's not going away. And there's the films that you can expect us to cover in the next six months. So plenty, plenty more of the format. It's pretty easy. I'm excited about the change. I think it should be good. But one of the things that I had to do was I had to share my movie collection with everybody so that they could pick a couple things to pick from. So I'm asking everybody that comes on the show to roast my movie collection. Uh, Joe, what do you have for me? Uh, what do you want to roast me about? <laughs> yeah, the, the the first thing that popped out, and I, and I um, or roast you on like a movie that I think is pretty terrible. I, I, you probably found it at the the bottom of the bargain bin at any given place where they you know you're, we can buy DVDs and Blu-rays. But yeah, I think Gamer. Yeah, just mm. a just a terrible film uh, mm. in general. Um, Close it, enough to the bottom of the bargain bin. Five dollars on Voodoo for an HD copy, so that's a digitally owned film. Five dollars too much. <laughs> Look, <laughs> that that came out when I was in, I think, high school and maybe middle school, and I think that's the perfect movie for a middle school boy. Like, <laughs> you know, what? that's and, kind of that's kind of literally true. nobody else. So, 
right? You have to be like that right age range. Uh, probably somebody who would also enjoy um, some of Snyder's films, <laughs> where, he, where he writes towards that audience. So yeah, I could see a yeah, kind sucker of punch. sucker punch. Yeah, I was yeah, sucker punch comes to mind when I think of that. Like yeah. awesome, but a uh, script written in crayon yep. by a fifteen year old. Um, yeah, I remember Gamer being like a not very good movie, but I think there was like some really interesting concepts, and I thought the action was like worth watching when I was a kid. I'm sure I'm going to look at it. I'm gonna be like, oh, I can't see anything that's going on. This is cut to hell and shaky cam and all. That. Like, I'm sure that's going to be my experience now. But I do remember still like I think it's a pretty interesting concept, but an interesting concept is not a good movie. Make yeah, I'll take it. That's fine. And yeah, I, I'm not going to defend my choice to own that movie. Probably one of those. Probably one of those, like, if this is before the age of digital, like, I probably would have, like, resold the copy. If I, if it was a Blu-ray instead of a digital, I probably would have been like, yeah, right. this is going away. But you can't return <laughs> digital copies. Yeah, once you can't there, resell there. them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, another thing I just I just saw in here, I, I just popped up and I saw it, uh, which, this is great that you own it, but I hope, like, I think if the, the way you highlighted it, you haven't seen it yet, Howl's Moving Castle? Oh, uh, I've seen it once. Okay. Yeah, you need to see it a bunch more times. It's, <laughs> it's amazing. It's probably my favorite Ghibli film. It's up there with uh, Princess Mononoke for me. Um, yeah. Beautiful um, and whimsy. Yeah. I remember really liking it. I just couldn't tell you anything about it. And so that's like a sign that it should go on my watch list. And I remember like I watched both that and Castle in the Sky kind of back to back. And I remember liking Castle in the Sky, but I think I like wound up trading that one in because I'm like, I don't know that I see myself watching that one again, but I definitely see myself watching Hobbs Moving Castle again. So. Yeah, Kessel's guy is pretty good. Um, it's, to me, it's kind of like a, a, a middle tier of the Miyazaki films in the collection. We own a lot of Miyazaki films. We own a lot of uh, mm. um, anime and whatnot. But yeah, that was one that popped up to me. And uh, On next month's GOATS episode, Robert and I are talking about Totoro. My name oh, is Totoro. it's classic. Yeah, mm. fantastic. I've not seen that one. It, it's, so. it's kind of more for, for children in general, but it's still like, I don't know, do you want to capture that the essence or that heart of a child? That's definitely like a great film to watch. You, you ready wanna... for a for a hot take, Joe? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I don't like Spirited Away. Oof. Yeah. I don't like it as much as everybody else does. Like, I think it's my wife's favorite Ghibli film. I'm more of a, I think it's... like I said, Mononoke and a, and a, and a House of Castle person, but mm-hmm. go ahead. Sorry. I just, I, uh, I saw it, like, I think I saw it as a kid. And then I watched it like maybe five years ago. And um, yeah, I was just like, it's okay. Like, it's not bad. It's just not great. Right. And a lot of people like it's, it's in IMDb's like 30 highest rated movies of all time or something like that. It's like, that's far too high. Grave of the Fireflies would be my favorite Ghibli film so far. Dark. <laughs> yeah. I like it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's that one will, uh, I think that's like maybe a once every other year for me. Not because of its quality, just because I literally think I've only seen it on the it. ones. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, I think I've only seen it the once, and it's been the most recent, maybe three years. But yeah, that's that's a hard one to watch. It is one of those films where you take it, you watch it. This is fantastic. This is probably like one of the best animated films I've seen. And you place it mm-hmm. back in your shelf, and then you never watch it again. Because <laughs> it was so painful uh, in the best ways. Or the yeah, worst it, ways. yeah, it's the, uh, in, in a different sense, it's the Requiem for a Dream of animated films. <laughs> Yeah, or like Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth is another one. I think I've only seen it like Ooh. two or three times, and that okay. hurts every time I watch it. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, we'll have a chance to, you can roast my collection some more on, on some future weeks, but uh, if you want, if not, you can find something else to talk about. But I have one more random question for you before we move on, Joe. I got to know, what is one small thing that you are just really anal about? Like something that doesn't really matter to anybody except for you. Mm. Being like a, 
um, kind of action figure and statue collector, even like the smallest of blemishes on something or like if if a joint doesn't work the way it should, I, it really irritates me. It like really gets under mm. my skin. Um, and it'd be something that no one cares, no one will ever see, but it'll bother me because I know it's there. It's We have, <laughs> we have two Funko Pops that will not stand and did not come with a base. Um, one of them is because it's Maeve from Westworld and she's like wearing her typical garments and her cape is a little too long. So she will not stand. Oh no. And another one is Polka Dot Man from the Suicide Squad. And he's kind of crouched and holding out his fist. And so you have to like have his head tilted to make it just the right weight balance. And that's really frustrating. And then we yeah, have why, a... Why would they I, not I give know. them stands? <laughs> I don't know. They give some stands. Know. It's easy. Just give every... Every pop should come with a stand now. They just yeah. Should. And then there's also... We have... So we just put our... I, I put it in the movie discussion channel on our Slack recently. But I recently had to expand my Funko Pops collection. And, uh, and there's, it, so it's very high up in my house. It's like nine foot high. It, it's on a planting shelf. And so we, um, we just, we decided that there are two Funko Pops that can't live up on the shelf because if they fall, they break. And both of them have fallen. One of them has broken. It's a, it's a Jack Skellington. And it's, it's when he's like putting his fingers in, the, in his mouth and he's pulling them apart, making a scary face. Oh, that's, that's a bummer. <laughs> yeah. So, so <laughs> he lives one. just like a foot off the ground. You know, he lives on my like you know, staying where my Xbox lives. Uh, and another one is uh, Maleficent because it's my wife's favorite Disney villain. So um, we have one of her and she's just like a little too top heavy. She's fallen off once or twice and we don't want to risk any of them breaking. But she's yeah, I get it. That's frustrating. Best. Yeah. She's one of the best Disney villains. I do love, yeah. uh, love me some Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. And the movie, the first movie is fine. You know, uh, interesting twist. For sure. I, I totally get that though. Especially like as a steelbook collector, like if there's a little dent in a steelbook, yeah. If there's a dent in a steelbook, like when I buy it new from a store, like that gets me mad. Like sometimes I'll buy blemished ones on eBay because they're like twenty dollars cheaper if they're blemished, you know. Uh, but yeah, if there's if there's a steelbook that I buy in a store and it's like it doesn't snap shut or like it's got a little bit of part, it's like how how much do you have to mangle and tangle? Like it's literally tin. Like so that or like 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 dust jackets. Like a for movies, like when they have those sleeves. Yeah, man. If they're like, like there, I saw a copy at Best Buy of the thing, like of the recent 4K release, and like the dust jacket is just like torn in half. I'm like, take it off and throw it away. Like, yeah, that's that's garbage now. That's just trash. Yeah, right. I, I, I feel the same way about just about everything, but figures are like the specific. But yeah, if I see if I get a DVD in the mail, you know, especially if you order them up like Amazon, they're like poorly packaged mm. and they have puncture holes in them, and like, mm-hmm. like. I just want it in like pristine condition, uh-huh. but I don't want to go to the store. So just deliver it and package it correctly. But yeah, I get it. Yeah. Totally get it. Uh, the thing, the small thing that I'm very anal about is um, I work in the restaurant industry. And uh, the one thing that I get really particular about that I don't think anybody else does is that um, in a re- in any restaurant that you go to there, you know, when they have a salt and pepper caddy, or if they don't pretty much every restaurant has a salt and a pepper shaker on the tables. In every instance, the salt shaker should be on the right hand side. And the easy way to remember that is that, you know, you know, because right and white and right both rhyme. So you could go right is white. You can't say white is right. That's not right. Um, but right is white is OK. <laughs> so <laughs> so slip of the verbiage, it could be, you know, it's a totally different thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, but the white goes on the right it is is an easy way to remember that. And look, here's, here's the reason why I'm so anal about it is because I, I used to not care. Right. I used to just kind of like 
it does it really matter? Like you can tell which one is which, but the reason why I'm so anal about it is because the reason why the salt always goes on the right is because blind people will know that the salt is on the right. So it's just the littlest thing we can do, right? Like put the salt, salt, salt shaker on the right, put the pepper on the left. That way, if a blind person comes, he's not over peppering something when he means to salt it. Right. That makes sense to me. Yeah. So it's one of those things that get really anal about it. And I think like, it's one of those things. Once I tell people, they're like, yeah, I can do that. That's okay. So, you know, and it's, it's just, it's the littlest thing to do. Just get in the habit of putting the salt shaker on the right. Next time I go into a restaurant, I'm going to see if they do that. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty universal and, but it's, it's the problem is like, that's the code, but not a lot of people know the code. So it just takes people telling people. So that's a good, good experiment. Go to a restaurant and see, you should notice it though. Especially the places where they have the built-in caddies. Like it's so easy to do at somewhere like Buffalo Wild Wings where like, you know, there's a, there's a caddy and it's got a ketchup and a drink book and like a salt and a pepper shake. That's easy. Cause like the salt and the pepper have to go somewhere. You have 50, 50, 50 shot. And that's only if you pull them both out. So, but the place I currently work, we don't have caddies. So it's just people put them anywhere. You know, a lot of times like they're both on one side and I'm just like, you know, especially the servers. Like every time I have to like check out a server to make sure their section is clean. I'm like, your salt shakers need to be on the right. Peppers go on the left. That way blind people know. And it, look, I've never seen a blind person in my restaurant. But one day there will be one, you know? And I'm sure that, they, you know, I'm sure there has been one since I've been working. I just don't see them, you know? Anyway, that's the very small thing that I'm anal about. It's understandable. You want to talk about some movies again? Yeah, let's get let's get into movies. Uh, I guess less condiments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two movies coming out this week. Uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, and Avatar, The Way of Water. Two sequels to both very wildly successful film previous films in their franchise right <laughs> uh joe you want to start with avatar or puss in boots uh we can start with avatar okay avatar the way of water this is the first sequel to the 2009 avatar film that we talked about a couple weeks ago on this podcast jake solely lives with his newfound family formed from the planet of pandora once a familiar threat returns to finish what was previously started jake must work with with the natiri and the army of the navi race to protect their planet Okay, uh, Avatar, um, The Way of Water, three hours and 12 minutes, partly wow. as a modifier for that. Yep, partly as a modifier for that. We're going to do the same rules as always. Now that we know this is a theater exclusive, but we're going to say not factoring into your budget at all, not factoring into your schedule at all. You have nothing to do next weekend, this weekend. You have nothing to do this weekend, and uh, um, you have the choice to go see Avatar. Are you going to go see it in theaters? Are you going to wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for? Are you going to wait till you can rent it at home? Or are you going to um, just skip this movie entirely? Yeah, here's the thing about Avatar, which is which is weird. There's no other film that's quite like this as far as like trying to categorize it, or, like put an anticipation level. Um, if I think about it as a regular film, besides its visuals, I would probably wait for it streaming or rent. Sure. But the fact that it is ingrained in the actual experience to be seen in the theaters, I'm going to say theaters for this. Because mm-hmm. the visuals look immaculate. When I was looking at the trailer, they looked amazing, even better than uh, the initial film. Um, and my big, my big problem with the initial film is that it's just not highly original at all. Yeah, it, it's actually pretty well executed. I mean, it's James Cameron; he's one of the best living directors there is. Mm-hmm. But the story is just very contrived. It's, it's nothing you haven't seen in movies like Dance with the Wolves or The Last Samurai. Just name two off the top of my head, where it's you know kind of a foreign entity or a person who's kind of broken that comes into uh, a tribe of people and they, you know, they, they essentially fix him and, and vice versa, you know, mm-hmm. but the visuals do look stunning and I would love to see this in 3d. So yeah, for me, I'll, I'll say theaters. I will, I'll go to the, oh man, I'm going to say for the sake of argument, rent, I'm, I'm right where you are though, because on an actual, like it based off of the previous film 
and a sequel and, and a sequel to it like the the visuals are the only impressive thing about the first film the visual and i think the score is great i think the score's yeah. o- super overlooked because it's such a visually incredible movie so like it's but it's full of paper thin characters and contrived and cliched plot points and all that like so i'm not really excited about the like story continuing but i am excited to see this movie so like i'm gonna see this movie in in the biggest screen i can as soon as i can and i will you know but i'm not you know i'm not i'm not like one of those like i'm not gonna drink anything all day so i don't have to get up and pee in the middle of it like i was with endgame or anything like that you know i'm just like i want to see it because of the visual visuals but i'm not like expecting to necessarily love the movie you know i feel i feel like this is gonna be like oh man this is actually different too because i was gonna say i feel like this is gonna be like dune like no like Actually, I also wound up not seeing Dune in a theater, which I definitely regret. Yeah, me but too. it's one, you know, but one of those where it's like, man, I, but but Dune is different because that felt like half of a movie to me, and now I'm just sparking a conversation that everybody's, you know, already sick of. <laughs> I just, but yeah, it's one of those like I want to see it in a theater because it's visual, but like I, I don't really have interest. If there was never a sequel to Avatar, like I wouldn't care, right? Yeah, like and me either. We're in the same boat, and I know that. Dicer saw this and he lauded it and he says it's better than the first one, especially in terms of story. Um, he he likes this more than the first film. And so, like, I have a little hope there, but it's like I, I ultimately don't really care about the story so far. Now, give me a reason to care. Give me a story that's compelling and interesting and for the love of God, original, please. With yeah, with characters that feel real um, and I'll be really and I'm really and I'd be really excited to see it. But I at the moment, yeah, have to just be in the. In the camp of visuals would be the only reason for for me to see it at this point. So, but I will, I will also say too, I'm expecting a better story because the James Cameron did the screenplay alone for the first uh, film and uh, for the sequels, he brought on some help. And so for the first two sequels, I think Avatar two and three, he's got the help of uh, Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver who um, did the script work for Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, nice. So, like, that's a very story-heavy forward. That's a story that I love. I mean, they also did Jurassic World, which I think we all liked at the time and then didn't. (laughs) But they did the the 2020 Mulan, which everybody didn't like and then forgot about. (laughs) But still, like... Rise of the Planet of the Apes was an incredible like turn for the Planet of the Apes franchise. So, yeah, I, I mean, 100% agree. Yeah, I mean, like that, that gets me really excited. I'm surprised their career hasn't taken off farther. I mean, you think after doing that and then they did Jurassic World and yeah, their career should have taken off. And then they did In the Heart of the Sea and Mulan. And it's like, why have you guys not made like a bunch of things? I don't know. But uh, anyway, like having them two on the script really gives me confidence. So. That's that's all I had to say. That's the last thing. Yeah, it's like the thing is like on paper, you know, when I think about it, I see the cast, I see the visuals, the creative minds behind it. And like, I should be in love with this film, but I've just, I really wasn't with the first film. I think a part of it was Sam Worthington to me was kind of like a uh, a deep pit of uh, lack of charisma. I haven't seen him in anything where it really like really struck me. Maybe um, what was the, what was the war film with uh, that Mel Gibson directed? The Patriot? No, with um, we were soldiers. Yeah, we're gonna end up running down the list of things. Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge. I I loved Hacksaw Ridge. I thought it yeah. was amazing, and I thought Sam Worthington was actually in his part was actually really good in it. Oh, that was like the yeah, thing I, I saw him in. That was the it. best. Yeah, so that's that's pretty bad. You forgot he was even in that, and I think that's his best performance. So it's not. Well, great. And I remember thinking of that like two weeks ago when we recorded. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So um, oof. 
yeah other other than that i think everybody else in the film was great but like i just didn't think the writing was like you said like you described it perfectly paper thin the thinnest of papers you could think of yeah so. and look nobody was ever watching it i mean nobody was ever watching avatar for the story it's for the world building and the visuals but it's like the movie is long enough like i should have also been entertained by the story or at least had characters that i you know wanted to root for yeah characters that i cared about characters that felt real at the very least would be great so yeah i look i'm 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 also like maybe keeping expectations low, like especially because like Dicer came back so high from it, and I'm and I'm just like this movie's gonna have to really do something special for me to get on the hype train uh, because I was way late for the Avatar hype train, and that certainly didn't help. Uh, but yeah, I just I don't know. I'm just I'm apathetic. This movie could not be coming out this week, and I wouldn't care any less or any more. You know? Yeah. And I, and I and I'm gonna look back at this statement in like two weeks after having seen it on an IMAX screen and I'm going to be like past Aaron like deserves the biggest slap in the mouth like uh, or past Aaron is the biggest idiot I've ever met you know it's going to be something along those lines and sure fine I'm willing to accept that so yeah I'll, I'll accept being wrong for a quality film like I don't you know I, I don't sure. hold grudges against like previous films are like oh I, I don't have a hate campaign against this film I just really was underwhelmed like yeah I'm just at the moment apathetic on whether this film comes out or not and I hope it comes out and it blows me away. We'll see. Um, I don't have any other thoughts. Do you? No. Uh, yeah, nothing further. I think we we both kind of like uh, ran parallel with this. We're both like in the same boat. So yeah, I think I'm ready to move on. Cool. Well, let's talk about Puss in Boots, The Last Wish then. Uh, this is coming out uh, in theaters again exclusively. Just, yep. This what is, this is December 21st. So I'm trying to, when is this episode coming out? I feel like that's a week later. Then when the, yeah, because this episode will come out on like 14, it's not 10 days. Oh, shoot, it is. Yeah, I, no, no, no. Oh, because this is one of those where it's like a Wednesday release. So, okay. Something like that, I think, right? I'm not going to look at my calendar on my phone real quick. This is great podcasting, by the way. We are doing, I'm, I am doing so good podcasting. Doing a live. <laughs> so, um, 21st. Yeah, so this is a Wednesday. So, this will come out. That's why this is on this week. Gotta, Wednesday. Gotta, gotta the pick 21st. up the extra You got to start a little early. Right, Wednesday the 21st, which by the, when this episode releases the 14th, so I'm not going to save this episode to release the same day it comes out. I was going to do it, you know, because there will be Tuesday night screenings, you know, so. Okay, Puss in Boots discovers uh, that his passion for adventure has taken its toll. He has burned through eight of his nine lives. Puss sets out on an, on an epic journey to find the mythical last wish and restore his nine lives. Sequel to Puss in Boots, uh, nine years ago, Puss in Boots came out. Um, and Puss in Boots originated in Shrek, and he's in the Shrek movies. Oh, sorry, Shrek 2, and then he's in the Shrek, Shrek movies beyond that. Uh, Antonio Banderas returning. Uh, Salma Hayek returning as well. A um, couple new notable um, new people to this franchise. We got Har- Harvey Guillen, who plays uh, Guillermo on What We Do in the Shadows. Little slightly known actress that you might have heard of called Florence Pugh. She's uh, a voice in this movie. And uh, John Mulaney also in this movie. So Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Uh, also should be worth noting, this animation style looks a little different than the last movie, which was Shrek. This looks a little bit more hand-drawn. That's an interesting thing, but I'll, I guess I didn't need to note that, but I, I will. <laughs> Joe, same scale. You have nothing to do this weekend. Um, you know, budget's not an option or not a you know roadblock or anything like that. 
theaters rent stream skip i actually have not seen the puss in boots movie or if i did it was so long ago i don't remember i mean we do watch a lot of movies and a lot of animation anime in general uh, on my end but i love the premise i think the premise is super excellent um because this is totally falls in line with this character he's a risk taker because he has so many lives um so i think mm-hmm. it's like an excellent premise that he's finally like running out of him and he has to go find this wish um, yeah, and to touch more on the art style, I think that, that was the thing that really jumped out at me. Yeah. It looks a lot like Arcane, and I love Arcane. That art style mm. is amazing. It looks kind of like painterly and hand-drawn. The, mm-hmm. Like the visual effects kind of have that um, kind of onomatopoeia type thing where like there's like explosions, maybe like word uh, type bubbles. That's what it kind of like looks like to me. Um, so I'm super interested in that. It overall looks really funny too, and I've always liked the humor in um all the shrek movies probably except for the third one third one's a little lackluster to me kind of sags a little bit but like especially the introduction of puss and boots in the second one the second one's awesome like i love yeah. that movie that one hits on all cylinders i, I like the, the thing i always remember about puss and boots is him getting busted uh <laughs> with catnip they mm-hmm. do like the, the the uh the cops parody which i thought was super mm-hmm. hilarious yeah, yeah so yeah i'm su- i'm super hyped about this like and i didn't even really know about this film until like it was i just saw it now so yeah, I'm surprised there hasn't been a bunch of marketing about this. Me too. That's ridiculous because it doesn't. It doesn't. I don't feel saturated, oversaturated. Now, maybe they're doing a different marketing approach. Like maybe like this is just playing all over, you know, Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, and stuff like that. Maybe it's just not on, you know, Twitter and TikTok or wherever else I see advertisements. I, you know, IMDb. Like maybe it's just we're not the target audience. So maybe they're trying to specifically reach. But like I kind of am the target audience. Like I like Shrek and Shrek Two were my thing and. You know, nostalgia certainly has a big say on box office at this point. And like, you know, like it will it will buy enough goodwill for me. Uh, I'm look, I'm going to I'll say, man. All right. Here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to put myself in the same camp as I did Avatar with Rent. Yeah. And again, you take away like the visual. I'm, I'm almost more excited to see this movie than Avatar. It's just, you know, the visuals like that warrants the theater release. But like you mentioned, the art style looks gorgeous at least from the like stills and you know, muted trailer that i can see on imdb's page right now but like i love the character i think the premise is really interesting i think the first puss in boots movie was okay it's fine we talked about it on this podcast maybe a year or so ago um, it's fine it's it's decent uh, we, t- we talked about shrek the third last week and that movie's borderline bad <laughs> that's that's certainly a attempt at a movie it's a movie but like this <laughs> looks yeah, I mean, good, right? Like, rem- like when 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 I saw a Puss in Boots sequel coming out this year, I I thought, why? You know, because Shrek Forever After has been a good number of years, and Puss in Boots has been nine years ago, and I don't remember it doing well in the box office or critically acclaimed. Yeah, I don't. Even... And it didn't do either. Kind of want to see this one, you know. Uh, in reality, this will probably be. Uh, I'll check it out when it hits a streaming service. But like, yeah, for the sake of excitement, like rent, sure, um, pretty high side of rent. If if I had the time to go see both movies in theaters this week, I would. Um, I don't. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I. Have to do. Also, like you're gonna you're you're winning points with Florence Pugh. You're winning points with um, uh, Harvey Guillen, and you're winning mega points with John Mulaney. So yeah, and Antonio Banderas still killing the killing the role. Um, he's was the perfect casting choice. So uh, and Selma Hayek was in uh, the first Blitz and Moves movie as the same character. So like I've always loved Selma Hayek. She's a she's a treasure she's yeah she's great Um, yeah she's great but i mean like the three return the three new people like brilliant i love all three of them 
Yeah, so. especially uh, John Mulaney, Florence Pugh. I've seen a little bit of, of, uh, of Harvey and what we do in the shadows and what I've seen, like, yeah, his character's amazing. He's super funny. Yeah, he's uh, I mean, he's he's been in more. I think that's just his most famous role. I think I saw him in something recently, or maybe it was announced that he was going to be in something recently. Either way, like that's that's his big thing. Oh, he was in that Werewolves Within movie that has been on my watch list for a while. He plays Nightwing in the Harley Quinn TV series. Huh. Oh, four episodes. He's in the Reacher TV series. He's in Archer. Like he's got a good filmography, a lot of voice work. So anyway, yeah, I don't have anything else to say. Do you? Yeah, I was I was going to say like. Um... I, I mentioned Arcane as far as art style. I think as far as frame rate and art style also, I would say um, Into the Spider-Verse. Like, it looks very like that, too. Oh, yeah. Where, like, once your eye gets trained to that frame rate and, like, that art style, it's kind of hard to watch other CGI stuff for me. It feels really flat. It doesn't feel like it's, like, um, eccentric or, like, full of motion. So, um, yeah, I'm, th- that's what really grabbed me. If it would have been, like, just traditional 3D without any kind of, like, this pizzazz and, like, this filtering, I probably wouldn't care as much. But... I like I said, sure. I watched Arcane. I loved it, and I don't even like League of Legends. I've never even played it before, and I love the story and I love the um, animation. So, yeah, sure. that's all I gotta say about um, Puss and Boots. Cool. Well, before we move on to our TikTok SIF topic, TikTok nice. Uh, now, before we move on to our SIF topic, uh, let's get a chance to promote some stuff. Uh, Joe, if people want to follow you, where should they go? Yeah, uh, the best place to find me is on Instagram at uh, the uh, the Star Spangled Avenger with the underscore each uh, under each one of those words. Uh, I'm always posting stuff about, as of late, a lot of anime stuff, a lot of uh, indirectly posting things from TikTok that are like anime stuff. So, um, yeah, I have like a number of interests, um, as we've spoken about at great length of this mm-hmm. uh, podcast. So, yeah, send me up. Cool. Yep. And just a quick reminder, patreon.com sifpopwr if you guys are interested in checking out more content and early episodes and all that fun stuff. Let's move on to the sip topic. We're talking about 30 Days of Night. Man, interesting that Josh Hartnett has two movies in his filmography that include 30 days and night in the title. Um, Cause there was the 30 days and 30 nights, the one where like the early two thousands, like oh, the uh, 40 days and 40 nights. Oh, it was 40 days and 40 nights. I, I never saw that one actually, but yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. Okay. Definitely couldn't make it nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> nope. No, you couldn't 30 days and 30 nights, 2007 movie after an Alaskan town is plunged into darkness for a month. It is attacked by a bloodthirsty gang of vampires. Uh, as mentioned, Josh Hartnett starring here. Also, Ben Foster. That was a surprise to see. Danny Houston. Uh, Mark Boone Jr., who was in Sons of Anarchy. He played uh, Bobby. Um, definitely liked him. Manu Bennett. Uh, Melissa George. Uh, I don't know if anybody of these are necessarily recognizable names. But, like, that's, you know, that's not nothing. 30 Days of Night. Uh, Joe, what's your history with this movie? When did you first see it? How many times have you seen it? Uh, uh, when did you last see it? Aside from today i want to say i can't really remember i think i've seen this generally around the time it came out maybe a little bit after and um not a huge fan of it um when i first watched it and uh actually i've looked at the graphic novel kind of skimmed through it and then read a little bit more today the art style is interesting but it just doesn't really grab me doesn't the story overall to me is not very interesting and, and the thing is like this is this actually follows the graphic novel pretty closely from the things i've read okay but yeah, watching it today, it, it, it didn't it didn't end up really changing my mind. I kind of feel the same way uh, I do about it. Um, we'll get more into it as we go in, but um, I like Josh Hartnett. He's always doing a great job. He's always putting in you know his hundred percent. So all right, I enjoyed him. But there, we'll, we'll we'll get more into it. I don't want yeah, yeah. I don't want I don't want to tip my hand too much. <laughs> 
I remember wanting to see this movie when it came out. Um, I, I, 2007, I was 12, right? Like what 12 year old doesn't want to see this movie? Yeah. Especially like for the promo, you know? Yeah. I remember I was really into zombie movies around that time. And I mean, replaced zombies with werewolf with vampires. Like you got a zombie movie, you know, um, here essentially. So yeah, really excited to see it. And then I remember like wanting, getting my hands on a, a copy that, is not legal to get your hands on because I used to do that when I was 12 uh, because everybody makes mistakes when they're 12 and just, it was so dark and I didn't realize, no, it's just the movie is dark. (laughs) So I think, I think I like started to watch it and thought it was unwatchable and like turned it off. But then like, I never had a desire to like watch it again, you know, or to, to give it a new shot or whatever. So yeah, I, yeah, just haven't really cared. To, to pull it up but here we are doing a podcast about comic book movies and here we are talking about this film so um i watched it last night late at night and i was about to fall asleep during the movie so i finished it this morning so 30 days of night watching it now joe where do you fall do you like it love it hate it dislike it or think it's just okay i want to be charitable and say it's just okay but i have to say i actually just kind of dislike it um I'm going to be a little harsher. I usually, I, some, most of the time I put the kitty gloves on, but this one, I'm going to say I actually dislike it. All right. Uh, I, th- I think the the initial opening, the setup is actually really excellent. Uh, I don't want to throw it. I had this in my notes and I don't want to throw it in there because I think it's kind of like um, sacrilegious to throw anything related to this to the thing. But like it kind of harkened back to the thing of like they're trying to set up the characters. It's very kind of like kind of slow burn. It's a slow starter at first, which I kind of appreciate. But I think this is a film that suffers from like sagging at certain parts, especially in the middle. The opener, it opens pretty strong and it closes decently. But everything else, I'd say about mm. 75% of this movie is uh, is pretty boring. That's yeah. In terms of suspense, sure. In terms of enjoyment, we'll get there. Uh, on the like it, love it, hate it, just like I think it's just okay scale. Look, I'm normally a pretty easy person to please. I'm going to I'm going to give a very firm, like very strong dislike of this movie. Uh, I think I like this movie less than you did. I think we might actually be in the same. I, I'm going to say we're in the same. OK, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, look, I, I, really, I kind of <laughs> I really dislike this movie. Let's just say there's there's nothing here that like is going to push me into the hate it camp. Right. Like the, like in order to be in the hate it camp, like the movie has to like actively like make poor choices along the way and like. Like it can't just be boring, right? Like, cause boring movies end up in the didn't like it, right? You know, it's not like <sighs> there has to be some things that you like about a movie to be in dislike instead of hate, right? And there are a couple things to like about this movie. The problem is there's so few and far between. I actually think, kind of contrary to you, I think first of all, the film does a really great job of setting everything up. I think it takes it probably a little bit too long, but I like how there's this mystery in the air and like we don't really see the vampires attacking much. Like, especially like those that first little bit until our people get to safety. Like, then we kind of start to see like the vampires like slaughtering the streets. But but like, no, a lot of the thing, things happen off screen. It's it's a very like moody, atmospherical movie. And I think there's a really great setup here. And I really like the idea. This is a small Alaskan town. It's normally like 400 and some people. And then a lot of people leave because it's about to be 30 days where you will never see the sunlight. Um, So a lot of people move out. And then, well. Doesn't that sound like the perfect living condition for vampires? So, so I understood the plot to be the vampires are coming here and they're going to kill everybody in this town because they want to inhabit the town because 
every year there's 30 days of night. That was my, and like, that's a, that makes sense to me. Like logically, I think that makes a lot of sense. Why wouldn't vampires want to live in the place that gets the most nighttime of the year? And so I thought, interesting. I probably wouldn't have come up with that idea. Ultimately, like the movie doesn't, the movie doesn't continue to be interesting. Like the movie then just becomes, how are these people going to survive? And like, I'm really interested in a movie like that because like they relatively quickly get shelter. Like, but I could tell you everything that was going to happen. Like I could, I could tell you that the old man that is still thinks that his wife is somewhere around is going to eventually wander off and he's going to get himself killed. He's going to expose the group and he's going to get his own son killed too. Like he's, yeah. he is, if he is a danger to yourselves to keep him there. Like I, I could have told you all the character beats. These were, these were paper thin characters. I think there's a really interesting concept here and a really interesting movie with il- really interesting people and conversation in them. But the problem is nothing about this movie is interesting. Right. Right. I think, I think the problem is like, like you said, it's the skeleton of this is, is pretty brilliant. Like the whole, the, the setup, even, even like the paper thin reason why like vampires would be there. It still makes sense. Like, yeah. Who wants to have, you know, they're they're going to have a 30-day feast. It's going to be great. It's an all-inclusive, you know, buffet. Like, it's <laughs> great. Like, they're going to love that. So that made a lot of sense to me. Yeah, but where I, th- where I think the film really falters, that it falls into, like you said, it falls into predictability really quickly. Like I said, the, the, it's it's these chain of events that happen that are, like, contrived so certain, certain things happen, why certain characters would do certain things, why they would go outside to save certain people. Mm-hmm. And they do that till the very end of the movie. Like it, it, it paints by numbers almost uh, as far as that goes. And it's not interesting because they, they said they, they find shelter relatively quickly. And that is one of the biggest issues I have. Like, it's like them hanging out in an attic for like <laughs> a good amount of the time. Like, yeah. And again, I like the idea of that because like, there's constantly like times that they come across where they have to like be strategic about like, you know, because there's one point the, the lady's walking down the street shouting help. And like somebody's like, we right. gotta go help them, and like, we'll look at the rooftops. There's a bunch yeah. of vampires. like she's bait. They're she's using bait, her yeah. as bait. And like obviously, right? Like we knew she wasn't gonna live as soon as we saw her walking down screaming, and we know that they're a vampire. Like it's like a like it's kind of like a quiet place, and she's walking around screaming, you know. So, but like, I, so I think the movie could have been more interesting, but it was just very paint by numbers, very generic, and again, paper thin characters. Like we're introduced quickly early on to J- Josh Hartnett and Melissa George, and we're told, hey. They are separated. They're, you know, they're not together anymore. She moved away, but like nobody really understands why they're not together. And I don't think the movie ever like gives a reason like why she left. I mean, there's, there's a moment where she apologizes and she says, I shouldn't have left, but it's like, how did you reach that conclusion? And why did you leave in the first place? So like, you know, but everybody in the town seems to be like, oh, why they should be good. They should be great together. Everybody wants, because there's even the people at the beginning where it's like, you can live with us while you're stranded here for 30 days. But the the rent is you have to explain to me why you weren't together anymore. It's like, I don't know anything about these people other than that they're divorced. And naturally that means they're going to go through this tragedy together and probably they're going to reconcile and then one of them's going to die. And guess what? That's exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah. And, and, the, and the thing is like, I don't blame the actors. I think they they do what they can with the material. I actually think that th- those two work well together. But what the I... Pro- Oh man! All right, I like Josh Hartnett as an actor. I want to see him in more things. I think he's really good in a couple of roles. I think he is great in Lucky Number Eleven, and I, in general, like like the guy. He's got a very small role in Sin City, like five minute or less role, but like I like him in that movie. I mean, it got the project greenlit. That's what greenlit the project was. That that's true. 
That's yeah. true. And 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 he gets a slightly more expanded thing in the sequel, I think. Or is it the ex- or is it the extended cut of the first movie? Uh, I think it's in the extended cut. Okay, it's the one of the two. Thing. Either way, he's he's he he fits that role there. But yeah, he um he's he's great in Lucky Number Eleven. I don't I don't really like him in this movie. I don't think this role was meant for him, and I don't think he's a good actor in this movie. I think he gives a pretty bad performance. But in general, I like the guy. I thought Melissa George was doing fine. Yeah, I, th- I think she's okay. I think when they're in scenes together, I think they work well. I actually really like Josh. They, they have film. they have some chemistry, you know. Yeah. Like so, so sure them together, kind of. Yeah, but ultimately, I didn't. It, yeah, to me, a big problem was your leading man is not a very good actor in this role. So. I th- I think some of it comes down to the dialogue. Some of the dialogue, which is oh yeah, s- some of it's directly from the book, and it just doesn't land. But there are times that Josh Hartnett, he's like he's really like acting his tail off at cer- certain parts. Like I feel like he's really good at delivering emotion. The guy could cry on cue. I, I think it's the way- it's the the weight that he's bearing on his back of carrying this almost this <laughs> this entire film on his back. That's like he's also kind of like a really dour and depressed character throughout the entirety of the movie. So I don't think that helps either. Sure, but there are a couple lines where I I will uh, I will concede. I'm like, oh god, I just rolled my eyes. Like they nearly fell out of my skull. They were just so bad. Um, maybe not as bad as like Anakin talking about sand, but definitely not great. Um, but yeah, yeah, like you and you also touched upon earlier. Like we never really know why they split up, and I, that's a big problem. I I guess there's a minor hint that it might have been over having kids, but it's super cryptic. Um, if that's the case, like sure. But 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 yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not going to die on this hill as far as like defending his acting jobs. But yeah, I I do he's, like he's 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 good in moments. But for the most part, I didn't think he was a, he was very good. Um, I thought he did what the movie and look, maybe it's this um, because I said I like Josh Hartnett in some roles. I mean, the only other things I'm thinking of him right now is in that 40 Days and 40 Night in Pearl Harbor. And what those movies are, I'm sure he's good in like he's fitting the bill there. But I love him in the faculty. That's like that's probably like yeah, um, he's great in the faculty. <laughs> he's good at playing like the the bad boy, like uh, with a heart of gold type deal. He's good at that. What else is he in? Small role in Wrath of Man. I like that. Like I like that movie. I don't remember him being in it. Yeah, I mean he's had a pretty middling career. I I think he was supposed to take off after. Oh, he's great in Black Hawk Down. Oh, he's so good in Black Hawk Down. He's excellent. That probably is his best role. Yeah, absolutely yeah. by far. Yeah. I know he was uh, supposed. I think he was supposed to take off after Pearl Harbor, and then he was in We Were Soldiers, right? Uh, no, nope. he's in a he's in H two O. He plays Laurie's son. I forgot about that, and I watched that movie like two weeks ago. He's not We Were Soldiers. Nope, no, I'm not sure who you're thinking of, but he's not in it. His only two like military movies are uh, at least like big blockbuster ones at the Pearl Harbor and uh, Black Hawk Down. Oh, I'm but, sorry, that was that was Chris Klein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I just I, I don't know that he's. He's he's not like oh, Operation Fortune. That's the movie. Did they change the name of that one? Oh no, that's still just upcoming. Got it because that one got delayed. Uh, oh, he's in Oppenheimer next year too. So maybe a big breakout year for Josh Hartnett next year. Who knows? I hope so. I mean, I, I want good things for the guy. I think I think he took a hiatus just to focus on his family. That's what I um, I watched some type of video covering uh, his career, and he just kind of just didn't want to act for a while. Yeah, uh, more power to him. Yeah. I, um, anyway, so I, like I said, I don't, I just don't think he's like particularly great in this movie. He, uh, and I think the point I was trying to get at is I just don't think this movie's directed very well. And so I don't think any of the actors are directed well. I don't <laughs> think the story is like directed well. I don't think it's like put in a way. I, I don't think it's like put in a manner that really makes me ever feel anything other than 
what the movie wants to do, which is entirely surface level. Like the movie is always intent on man, except for the opening sequence, which I think is brilliant. The like the the way that it induces like fear. And even even though I know what's happening, even though I know what's coming, like obviously the town's in danger. You know, I've seen this scenario a million times in movies, and there are people that are listening and there are people that aren't. Like I ultimately I I just <laughs> Like, even though I know where it's going, I think it's done so effectively. And you throw in the Ben Foster character who's cryptic and could reveal what's happening and has no reason not to. Um, but he's ben, ben Foster was the best actor in this beat for sure, given the best performance. So, yeah, I, I really I, liked him. But I, I just uh, think I just think a lot of this movie's problems come down to its directing and script. The the dialogue is is bad. And it, it almost feels like one of those movies where, oh, man, this feels like a TV pilot. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Like, this feels like. A TV pilot that was shot on a budget, so like they didn't ever do take twos. It was just we get one take, so we're getting <laughs> yeah. like not exactly the actor that we want. You know, we're getting you know somebody to fill in for whatever actor we really want. You know, it, we're we're getting Josh Hartnett to step in so we can get Kevin Klein, right, <laughs> or or Ben Affleck or something. You know, like we're we're getting him to step in. And Josh Hartnett's big enough; he'd probably have somebody step in for that. But it's like. Yo, and then we're we're doing one one take each just so we can pitch it to the studio. You know, like that's that's kind of what this movie feels like, like careless. And uh, it's just really hard to see the passion in this movie uh, from anybody. And that's oof, that's a problem. Yeah, I, I think we're we're aligned in agreement here uh, as far as like the ways in which we feel about it and why we dislike it. Like, I think one of the biggest the things that made it really difficult and hard to watch was the cinematography that it really bothered me. Yeah. Cause like on one end you have like these really nice kind of like helicopter kind of crane shots. I don't know if they were done through 3d or if they were actually done in camera, but like there's a top view and you see the whole town getting dispatched. I love that shot. It's amazing. It's like one of the best shots of the entire film. It's it's great. And like the opening is really good. You're seeing people getting snatched. You're not actually seeing the vampire. So that um, impending doom and dread is like kind of still looming over you. You're not directly seeing the vampires, which is cool. Well, and there's that sequence of like the guy whose wife is getting dragged like underneath houses, and the guy's like, "That's sequence. shot really well." Yeah, it's shot really well. And then you get other times where like you get crazy shaky cam, and I can't tell anything that's going on. Especially oh, the, with- la- the last act of this movie is a mess, like visually. Yeah, it's all over the place. In- action visually i think the movie looks really great when there's all the fire surrounding it i think it has a great like visual aesthetic to everything yeah which which perfectly mimics what the comic book looks like um for the most part the comic book it felt very comic book yeah it, it does feel that way it, ha- it has that like that what that 2005 2006 like the crazy filters and like the the, the over contrast right yeah, yeah yeah and it looks it looks great um but man like guys lock lock down the camera use a steady cam like come on well yeah and it, but it's like the i think the set looked really great i don't think the sh- yeah. the stuff was shot necessarily well you know so I, i'm more willing right. to give specifically that sequence set designers but yeah that top shot and then the one of the under the houses sure i'll give the cinematography and you know dp um give them some some credit because i think those two shots were pretty great but yeah uh, yeah but, i, lo- I they're, love they're, the aesthetic they're... of the fire but yeah but they're few and far between as far as like those type so, of quality shots yeah so here's the other thing when it's revealed near the end of the movie that the vampires are just burning down the city um, as a way to cover their tracks. That way people would just be like, it's, it's an accident. Um, like an, an accident happened here and everybody here died and the people that live here and, and, and then go away for a while, like they're, they managed to be okay. But like, that's, 
I never got the sense that that's what the vampires were ever actually doing, right? Like, I thought they were coming and they were going to feast for 30 days, but why wouldn't the vampires want to just take over that town? Like, doesn't that make a lot more sense? Like, I don't know that they had a plan on where they were going next. I thought their plan was to come and essentially settle and take over this village. And then when everybody returns, they could just pick them off one by one, you know? I think it's the big problem with the film is like their plan is like, it's very unclear. It's very muddy. And, and what that, that didn't even pop in my mind, but that sounded like a better premise than what they came up with for sure. Well, and then maybe it's, maybe it's, we, I, I think we only ever understand. Well, cause there's one scene where, where Danny Houston, the alpha vampire is like explaining. He's like, we take this town and you know, he's, he's talking in the vampiric tongue. He's like, we take this, uh, we take this town and we can live here. You know, we can be, we, we've spent so long, we, we spent so long convincing the world that we're not real. Now we get a chance to really scare them. You know, uh, I thought that was a, re- I thought that was a really interesting, like, mo- you know, monologue or line too. He says that we spent so long convincing them that we're not real. And now, you know, here we go. Great. Fitting kind of net, kind of meta good delivery. But so I thought their plan was just let's inhabit this town because I mean, 30, like 30 days of, of night is like, would be remarkable for a vampire so that's that's just what i expected and they said they're burning down the town now maybe they're burning down the town because they expected to kill everybody in the first night or at least in the 30 nights and they can't have them you know spreading the news that vampires are here and taking over the town you know and look literally everybody's murdered i don't know but but they even say like they're going to this town next or something like that like if we don't stop them here they're going to go to this town and it's just like i don't know that they're planning on going to the next town like (laughs) so maybe it's Maybe we're only supposed to, I mean, so much, so much of this movie is just unclear. I mean, with the relationship status of the separated couple and that, and then like. It's severely underwritten on just about every level. It, not just it about almost, every level, every level. <laughs> it almost feels like there was a 30 minute longer version of this movie that was smarter than this movie. And then the studio said, keep all the gory bits and scrap 30 minutes. Like it almost feels like that. And this is already a long movie. It's only like an hour and 53, but it feels longer than that. I definitely felt like it, like a two and a half hour movie. You know, yeah. it was, it was under two hours. Yeah. I felt at least two fifteen. Yeah. But yeah, like when I was getting ready, when I turned it off, I thought I was getting pretty close to the end. I still had 30 minutes left. Um, when I turned it off and went to bed. So I, <sighs> that's kind of what it feels like. I think the other thing, the only, the really only other thing that I really want to ask, uh, and it's kind of twofold is, I didn't feel anything when Josh Hartnett dies. And I think the movie makes me like, like is, is definitely supposed to have, it's very intentional with its last shot. And it's very intentional with the last scene being, you know, her holding him in his arms. But like, I didn't care about any of that. I didn't care that he died. I didn't care that she was holding him. I didn't care that they just survived a vampire massacre with the father. I didn't care about anything here. Like the, the, the movie could have ended with every, everybody dying. And I'd have been like, okay, fine. And the whole, so I don't know. Did you care at all? The, I know what the movie wanted me to do. The movie wanted me to care. But it's not what the movie wanted you to do. I'm asking you, how did you I feel know. when he died? Did you feel anything? I feel like through his performance, I kind of cared. But then I thought about like his character setup and their relationship, how ambiguous it was and like why they split. I'm like, no, nah, I really don't care. So I really had to like really come to all the, and if you have to overthink something that's emotional, it's, it's out the window. It's not emotional anymore. It's supposed to hit you like a, like a freight train. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like when you watch like the mist and like 
there's like one fatal, you know, fatal flaw or decision that Thomas Jane makes. And like, he has yeah. to make this ultimate, he makes this sacrifice. That movie just leaves you gobsmacked. Like you're just, it stays with you like instantly. So no, I would say no. Um, that was a roundabout way of saying that, but like, I just wanted to yeah. give some comparison to like how you would effectively do that. It's, uh, if the main character of your movie dies, I should feel something at the end. You know, this person that we spent two and two hours and 15 minutes, like we said, at least with, <laughs> I should, I should care about him. And I just, I was, I, I was happy because the movie was over. <laughs> That's all I felt. Yeah. And the whole decision for him to inject himself with the vampire blood. <laughs> it's such a wild so, card. Wild. So out of left field. So like, he's like, I don't have the strength to fight him alone. Like, let me ask you this question. Is the better movie, because I was thinking about this, is the better ending to this movie where everybody in that group injects themselves with the vampire serum and they go and kill all the vampires and then die when the sun rises? Because I think that's the better ending of this movie. Like, where, like literally the whole town is dead, but like the humans kill the vampires and then, you know, the sun rises and all the, and all the humans that are turning vampires just go sit and watch this watch you know just like the end of rogue one you know watch the world end for them like i think it's a far better movie and i think it doubles down (laughs) it doubles down on what danny houston says like you guys will destroy yourselves oh you didn't even think about that yeah to destroy what you don't understand or something along those lines i was like that would pull down on that bunch of like vampire people coming out yeah, you know, dung peels coming out and killing the rest of the vampires. I thought for sure, as soon as he injects himself, I thought for sure at least the younger brother was also going to. And I was like, I like, I, th- I was like, I kind of hope the movie goes in this direction where everybody injects themselves and then they just go ham on the vampires. The vampires, you know, all, they kill all the vampires and then they haven't quite turned yet, and so they all just die. The very wow. end of Rogue One, like I think he just pitched a better movie. I mean, look, it doesn't really change the first hour and a half leading up to it, but that's a much better ending to me. So, but yeah, that whole him injecting himself just seemed sort of weird. And I almost like I I never felt that he was stronger after injecting himself. I, if anything, it was weaker because he was like stopping to have like mini seizures or heart attacks. Seizing up and like convulsing. Yeah. Like I I hated it. I I I hated it so much. Like either. Neither one of them came off as strong though. Like they weren't like knocking each other around great distances no. or anything. It was hard to like buy into. And then like all of a Especially sudden, he had a sudden vampires. burst of strength at the end. He bust through his head. I was like, yeah, that he punches through the head of a vampire. Yeah, right. I was like, you guys really didn't know how to close out this uh, no. conf- conflict, did you? Okay, no, they didn't. They didn't. Have <laughs> and it's it's also one of those things too, where like the vampires are so scary, like. Anytime a vampire gets close to a human, we see the like the human doesn't stand a chance. Uh, we even even um, Josh Hartnett killing them. He only kills like two in the whole movie before that last battle. Like there's there's the humans are vastly like out. I guess they're not really outnumbered at the beginning. They are at the end though, but they are vastly like out muscled. And- yeah, they're definitely outgunned. Like they're they're you know they're definitely like they're food and it's very yeah. like made early on that they they don't really stand a chance. Right. And so like, it's one of those like so unbelievable, especially you have the alpha vampire of this group, the leader of this one taking him on. And it's just like, this should be over in a nanosecond. <laughs> I don't know why it's not. And I don't know why the other vampires are just standing around and watching. I, I hate this sort of thing in the movie. Now, unless <laughs> I think there's certain certain decisions where you can 
a certain context that you can have it. Like I think uh, the example I'm thinking of right now is uh, the movie Four Brothers, like mid two thousands. Mark Wahlberg, Chiotology of Four. I think oh, yeah, the John Singleton movie. Yeah, yeah. the the movie ends with uh, a fist fight between Mark Wahlberg and Chiotology of Four, but it's like he's got his they they've got their groups behind each other, and they're just like we're going to settle this once and for all. Fist fight, fight to the death, and like that'll resolve our beef and it's like that makes sense in the context of that movie but like why wouldn't all the vampires just pounce on him there's no reason um or especially when he's like starts losing or like you know especially when there's a chance that their leader might die like there's there's no reason and then they all just kind of run off like they're scared of him it's like yeah. that was lucky like that anyway i just the whole you you had mentioned that it had a really good beginning and a really good end like and the middle you didn't like i think the movie started off incredible and just got worse the farther along it went on went on i'm totally fine with a movie that wants to have people hiding from creatures you know a quiet place does that and i like a quiet place a good amount the first one and the um you know even like dawn of the dead or night of the living dead or uh you pretty much any zombie movies inevitably has people camping out you know zombie land has it um at bill murray's mansion like where they're trying to just lay low for a little bit and, because they're clearly outmatched and but they like i, I, think, that, I think the problem with those not the problem the the things that really help those films like hit their stride is like they have characters yes <laughs> and they're well yeah and this one doesn't <laughs> yeah they don't have so characters. you're so like i'm totally fine in the like premise of the of the like way this movie is structured but no i, I you you kind of mentioned it where you're like it's the middle that's the problem for the movie i'm like it's Look, the movie just gets worse every every running minute after after the initial attack, after everybody gets to the uh, they they get to one place first and then they go to the to the place with the hidden attic after they get to the one place where they all meet up and they're like, the whole town is dead. We don't really know what's happening. We're going to get here. We're going to we got to get to a safe place where people can't find us. Like as soon as they meet up there, like and, and when Josh Harnett finds out that the mom is dead, like that's that scene. I don't care anymore after that. <laughs> that was another one of those things too, where like he leaves the police station with the girl, with his ex-wife, like separated wife, whatever. And, uh, and there's stayed back to watch Ben Foster and the mom dies, but the younger brother gets away and Ben Foster is still locked up in the cell injured and passed over. But like, but it's one of those where like, they're gone for like five minutes. <laughs> like it, it, the movie didn't know what to do. And it was just like, Oh, the next thing that has to happen in the story is, is the mom has to die. Um, and it's like, so they're like, all right, we'll so kill the mom. Like this is, it, it felt so rushed to me that, um, that moment, but it's the whole movie kind of did, you know, like I said, it's just, mm, I, I thought every, Every minute the movie went on, the movie just continued to get worse. And like visually, there's some really good stuff here. But like this movie's almost better if you just watch the invasion, and you turn it off, right? Yeah, it's um, that, that's the high point of the film. It, it doesn't. But I'm get, not it even saying watch that. it. You know, yeah, it does because <laughs> like, there's well, plenty other places that do that well. Right. Like I said, we've mentioned better films that do this and they execute it at a at a high level. And, I, and I don't think. Well, and I don't think uh, it's a very good movie at all, but the first like 20 minutes of A Quiet Place Part 2 like is is better than the first like 20 minutes of this movie, you know, and I would argue that the last, you know, two hours of A Quiet Place Part 2 are better than the last two hours of this one. So, and I, again, I didn't really like that movie, so all, I, I did, and then I thought about it more. And I was like, nope, that's a bad movie, actually. So I could but, throw them but, all yeah, in the like, same bag for me, like 
Quiet Place one, <laughs> two, or this, it could all go in that same bag. Oh, but I like the first Quiet Place, <laughs> so I'll keep it out of that. No, oh, so but like, the, but the invasion scene where you know they're at the ballpark and then the aliens are coming, like that, that was a pretty intense. You know, we were figuring out what's going on, and you know, so anyway, yeah, I, I, I'm not even saying watch the first little bit of this, but I'm saying if you are watching this, you're but you just turn it off as soon as as soon as they get to safety because obviously we've told you what happens the rest of the movie there's not there's nothing worth watching this movie after 20 minutes in right there's not a single thing worth sticking around for this movie after 20 minutes no i don't think so like but the thing is i think the reason why uh, i don't like the third act but i think it's kind of absurd and kind of funny uh, as soon as i watched it this time after watching what we do in the shadows countless times all I could think of was vampire fights. <laughs> so that cracked me up. So I was like, I was like, eh, that was kind of funny. That was entertaining. But yeah, I, I agree. This, this film just progressively gets worse. It has a couple like ebbs and flows here and there, but a good 75, 80% of the film is not great. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I can't, I can't recommend anybody watches. I can't, no, recommend, that's... I can't recommend anybody watching the first 20 minutes. Like, I could recommend somebody watching the first five minutes of Larian, and I think the rest of that movie is trash, but the first five minutes is great. Um, sure. But, but I can't even do that for this film. Like, just don't watch it. It's no, it's not I, again, it's there's nothing here that is going to make me say I hate this movie, but there's definitely nothing here that's that's going to make me say you should check this out, or there's nothing here that's making me say, um, yeah, again, even check out the first 20 minutes or check out a YouTube clip of this one scene. Like, no, there's there's no reason to check out any part of this movie ever so i um i think you're correct though but i think ben foster ben foster leaves a strong impression in this film yeah but we knew ben <laughs> foster can act you know like at this point right like it, yeah. in 2022 like in 2007 like i liked ben foster i'm not trying to sound like a hipster here i realize that sound like it but i, I liked, liked him when because... i saw him in the punisher <laughs> I, I was thinking um he was in the mechanic uh with jason statham i like him in that movie oh great yeah i mean he, he's <laughs> the most forgettable movie ever he's he's kind of good at doing that though right like he's in these films yeah, that are kind yeah, of yeah. forgettable and you're like but ben foster was really good <laughs> well yeah. except for recently you know yeah recently he I mean he's high caliber actor now yeah but the yeah he definitely did specialize in that for a while and i think man maybe same like sam rockwell was kind of that way he was too yeah, yeah. good character actors that turned into like more leading men um, as it went up, except know. for except for X Men: The Last Stand, he's bad in X Men: The Last Stand because he yeah. plays the or, angel. Uh, plays the angel, yeah. But but everything's bad in that movie. Uh, that that's a that's a different rabbit hole though to fall down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I kind of like. That. We'll talk about it at some point. Anyway, the you're right. I can't recommend anybody watch this movie. I can't recommend any lot of parts of this movie. I they could announce a reboot of this movie today, and I would be firm not interested because I don't think the source material is worth adapting. I don't think like. I, I, I don't you mentioned you looked up some comic book stuff i i i have no interest in read this isn't even one of those where i'm like i want to read the comic because there's there's a nugget of something great here like and but you said that's pretty straightforward like i i i wouldn't be excited about a reboot i wouldn't recommend this movie like i don't want to talk about this movie ever again like yeah <laughs> i don't want to remember this movie it's, so. it's only slightly more in depth and uh but yeah i, I if you want to take a look at it, um, there are some Google images, but just overall, like it's, I don't know. It, it, it comes off very generic to me. I never feel like I need to read this book and I need to jump into it. And I read a lot of manga and a lot of comic books and novels from time to time. So, well, one of my favorite YouTube critics impression blend, uh, Mariana, 
Neil. Um, she has a video. It's one of the thumbnails on the images that you sent me. That's 30 Days of Night comic versus movie. So, like, I'm going to add that to my watch later. Yeah, so, I, I'd be able to watch that. I'm gonna check. That's six years ago. But yeah, I'm going to I'm going to check that out. But yeah, I cannot recommend anybody, you know, check this movie out. So or, I'm ready to be done with this movie. Are you? Yeah, I, I guess the only thing I'll say is like uh, we mentioned Mark Boone Jr. I always like to see a film with Mark Boone Jr. Yeah. Uh, and also where he's kind of heroic, which is kind of like not hidden his wheelhouse. He usually plays kind of a scumbag or like kind of a, a grayish character. But yeah, he's pretty cool in this. But that's not saying it, a whole lot about this. Movie. <laughs> if there was somebody I wanted to live, it was him. So yeah. but it was probably more so because I'm like, that's the guy from Sons of Anarchy. So, yep. Oh, uh, what, all right. What, one final thing. You have to talk about this. Uh, two things. The passage of time in this movie is super messy. Yeah, it's, man. The, the, the timestamps at the bottom. If you're if you wink, if you blink your eyes for two seconds, like it's gone and you don't know how long they've been there. Um, it also doesn't help that Manu Bennett's character, Billy, has like super long hair within like 27 days. Like, yeah, he looks like he's ready to go to Woodstock and like, yeah, Josh Hartnett just has like a little bit of stubble, a yeah. little bit of stubble and like it's like slightly longer hair. It's really weird. And like nobody's hair grows that long that fast. So. No. Yeah, the passage of time was really confusing because, like, I mo- most of this movie takes place on the first day. Yeah, but then like it jumps to like they're like, all right, we need to get food and then ration it, and then it like, jumps to day seven, and they still have, so- and then that's when the person is walking out in the street and like screaming for help. And I'm like, maybe like they were somewhere and they ran out of food and now they need help. But like, how are the vampires not killed? Like, I thought the vampires killed everybody the first night, and then like it's to the point where when they go and fight the vampires, like they know the sun is coming up. Like, so they're like, this is our like last chance. Like this one of those. I'm like, it literally feels like three days, not it, 30 it, days. It, it feels like three. It does feel like three days. I totally agree. Yeah. The, you're right. Passage of time, very poorly executed. And even with, um, time cards. So, okay. The B plot. We are going to be talking about creature features. I figured since this movie features vampires, let's talk about some vampire, werewolf, um, alien, anything that could be described as a creature feature film that is actually good. So uh, best ever. We'll go number five to number one. If you have something higher on your list, uh, you call Trump and then we'll talk about it when whoever has the highest. Same thing. Vice versa. If you have something and I have it higher, I'm going to call Trump. Um, But uh, I totally didn't even realize that zombies would be included in this list. So I might have to, man, I got to make one change here. Uh, and then a couple honorable mentions, a couple extra honorable mentions. Uh, uh, let's, hmm. Joe, I want, I'm going to have you start. So what is your number five? Yeah, I actually just made a change right now too, as well. We just mentioned zombies. Um, yeah, my number five, I put the mist. Honorable mention for me. Uh, yeah, I, I love that movie. Uh, I think it's like uh, perfectly executed. Um, it also helps that Frank Darabont directed it, which uh, he directed one of my favorite movies of all time. If not actually my favorite movie of all time, uh, the Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. Um, and also directed the first episode of the walking dead, which is by far the best episode of the walking dead. In my opinion. Sure. But yeah, that's my number five. My number five is man. This is going to feel like a slap in the face. Uh, Jaws. <laughs> It has a slap in the face. Because it's five. That means that there's four movies that are better. Yeah. And like this kind of, this one kind of toes the line because like. uh, Well, that's why. Because it toes the line, right? No, but I mean like it, it, it toes the line because like it's a shark. Like it's not, it's not like a werewolf or a vampire. It's not really in that realm, but like 
like we were talking like it fits the spirit of the conversation creature feature so jaws is my number five uh, look jaws is a great movie it's excellent it, it's it's very well done i think it's one of those that like man, it game changer for hollywood i mean is the first blockbuster um, yeah. it has held up incredibly well it, it, I, it's just one that i got to way too late in life and so i don't quite have the attachment um, that everybody else i think the first time i saw it was like right before pandemic and i think i've still only seen it the once it's great i loved it um yeah, i don't quite hold it in as high esteem i'm sure i will like one day but i think it's just like it's yeah it's great so jaws my number five uh what's your number four yeah my number four i did have pitch black um but then we talked about zombies and i was like let's put dawn of the dead 1978 in there um oh i just yeah. picked this up love it i haven't seen it yet this is the the, the absolute antithesis of everything we talked about great characters and you're largely in the same location. Um, it's it's pretty on par, similar to the remake um, for a large part. But yeah, highly recommend if you love zombies and uh, you like some little social commentary with your zombie film. So yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, again, gonna feel like a slap in the face, but whatever. My number four is Jurassic Park. I don't know what else I could say about Jurassic Park, and I don't you know like even that phrase. What else can be said about blank? But I love Jurassic Park. <laughs> it, it's a it's a great film. It's got great characters, great visual effects. Defin- definitely qualifies as creature feature. That's one of those I was thinking yeah. of. It's like no, they're creatures for sure. It's in Jurassic Park is a horror film, so yeah, I count it. We'll, we'll never see dinosaurs, hopefully. Um, so they're creatures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and again, like I, I just feel like people listening, like these, like each Jaws and Jurassic Park would have been number ones for people. So yep. All right. Uh, yep. Yeah, I, I bought Dawn of the Dead, the 78 version recently, because there's 4K, 4K discs are region free and it's really hard to find in America. But yeah, 4K disc overseas is apparently like they have they have a, there's a collector set that I bought that was like 30, 35 bucks, something like that. But like oh, it's I got have to pick that up. It's got the theatrical cut and it's got the director's cut and it's got the like one of the producers like made a cut or something like that. And I would definitely have to pick a, that up. Yeah. A bunch of special features. Yeah, I I want to find out the exact. Oh, apparently Snyder's Dawn of the Dead is getting a 4K release in January. Interesting. Awesome. It's, it's, it's probably his best film. Probably. <laughs> I think I remember seeing that, but I yeah, I already own a Blu-ray. I don't think I'm not going to spend 30 bucks picking up a film or picking up that one. But yeah, it's a uh, man. I want to give credit to this. Who did this? It, it's it's listed as Dawn of the Dead Limited Deluxe. Um, I don't know this. I don't know who released this. It's not. It's not Titans of Colt, and it's not like, obviously not Criterion. Any thought, but uh, all right, Joe, you're number three. Yeah. To uh, to coin a phrase, I think this is kind of a slap in the face. But uh, for number three, I put the thing, um, and the thing is probably my top ten favorite films of all time. I don't watch it very often, but like when I do watch it, it always it always lands. It always kind of hits with me. Um, maybe that's why I don't watch it so often because I want to be able to savor it. Um, but yeah, pretty much. It, a lot of these films that we're naming are like they do everything that this film that we just spoke about doesn't do correctly. Um, has great, <laughs> great characters. It does have that initial setup. That's why the the film is initially promising because it has that type of setup. Um, but, but the thing executes and fires on all cylinders. And, um, it's called classic. Too bad it didn't get all the uh, claim that it initially should have had, but it's definitely getting it now. So I um, 
am due for a rewatch because I still haven't after that. Uh, we did a goats episode on it and I was, I didn't like the movie and everybody else really did. And I was like, okay, well, I must be missing something you saw. So I, I'm due for a rewatch of that one. I want to. My number three is Zombieland. Um, <laughs> nice. I just, it's not a better movie than Jaws. It's not a better movie than Jurassic World. I just like it more. Or Jurassic Park. It's a better movie than Jurassic World. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just I, I like so. it more. I really like it. I I think that it just works. The, ca- the, the chemistry between the cast is great. I was actually just looking because like if, if I would have gone by my favorites list of all time, it is ranked higher than any of the like number one or number two films I have on this list. But I'm like, I don't think I like this movie more than my number one or number two. So I actually wound up moving it down to my list, but it's still on my favorite movies of all time. It's in my top hundred favorites. I love this movie and uh, my lists go by favorite, not by quality. So um, yeah, I love zombie land. I think it's great. Totally deserving of my number three spot here. So number two for you. Yeah. For my number two, um, I, pre- I grew up probably all my life watching this, uh, probably watched this way too young. Um, but I'm going to say predator. Um, absolutely honorable mention for me it's it still holds up um i probably watch this movie way too many times than anybody should but just has so many quotable lines the creature design is amazing and the the way they um they kind of showcase the creatures is is fantastic so um yeah predator is my number two can't get enough of them my number two is a film that i immediately thought of when i thought of this category i was for sure it was going to be my number one um but it's going to be my number two and it's the cabin in the woods um this is a movie that i love more and more and more and more and it is not just a creature feature it is all of the creatures in a yeah. feature <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, a, it's a great pick but yeah it's like it still fits the even narrative because like it's you know they release the, i mean the the like zombie farmer people whatever the family that they call them you know they release them and it's a it's a creature feature for sure so i I uh, love The Cabin in the Woods. It's a film that I just adore and I love it more every time I watch it. I'm due for a rewatch and uh, yeah, maybe I'll get around to it sometime soon. So Cabin in the Woods is my number two. That just leads us to our number ones. Haven't had any Trump so far. Maybe we'll have the same number one. Joe, what's your number one? Yeah, my number one was um, I, I grew up watching this movie, but I think I didn't appreciate it until, uh, you know, later in life to the to the fullest that I do now. But uh, number one is Alien. Me too. I, I I love it. I think all the characters are really excellent. I think they're all super well written. The setup is amazing. I care about each character getting taken out. It's you couldn't hope for a better scenario as far as setting up these type of films. Um, I think the only thing that came closest is probably Pitch Black. But in, when I say close, like maybe they're somewhere off in the uh, on the freeway, not close to the ballpark. But uh, but yeah, Alien is by far one of my favorite creature feature films uh, yeah. of all time. Um, I much prefer aliens and I don't think it's a, I think the most popular opinion, um, and it has been, I think since it came out is that aliens is the better film and I could not disagree more. Um, I like aliens uh, a good amount, but aliens is more of an action movie and it's a, it's a different genre. It's yeah, it's a totally different genre and it's man, it's got a lot, it's got some great moments and it's got some great one liners, but like the xenomorph, the xenomorph is to me. The coolest creature ever created for film. The design is immaculate. I'm, I'm, it's it's H something like Geiger, right? The, the, H R Geiger. Okay, I was like, I'm, I'm like, I want to give him credit. I'm, no, he's passed, but I'm pretty sure he's passed. Yeah. Okay. Like 
couple years ago. Anyway, but I, like, so I know it's not, it's not like I'm trying to shine a light on a you know, unknown person. Like he was very <laughs> well respected in the field, you know, but it's just like, yeah. The xenomorph is the coolest designed creature I've ever seen for a film. And uh, 100%. The, the way that the xenomorph lurks in the shadows and then just kind of like appears or like you see him, you see the xenomorph sneaking up on uh, on Ripley or a crewmate or whatever. And then like also the balls for this movie to like, we maybe only see half of the deaths max. Like a lot of them happen off. Like we see the yeah. lead up and then, and then it cuts away to, to, Ripley hearing screams down a hall or something like that. Like the Xenomorph is terrifying. I love the setup for this movie. I love the the simplicity of it. You know, um, here's a plane. You know, and best tagline on a movie poster ever. In space, no one can hear you scream. Best. I love me a lots film with of, space truckers. <laughs> lots, of, lots of things about this movie goaded. Um, yeah, for sure. Alien is the best. Uh, honorable mentions time. Um, I'll list off a couple. Um, like I had pitch black in my honorable mentions. I had the Snyder version of Dawn of the Dead, a film we mentioned earlier. Pan's Labyrinth was listed, and I didn't initially think it, but I'm, oh, okay, no, it counts. I'll count that creature feature. Um, the creatures just aren't the bad guys in this one, but it's still a creature feature. Right. One where the where the creatures are the bad guys is the Evil Dead. Um, I'm specifically calling out Evil Dead too. That's my favorite of the franchise. I think I think it's safe to say that that's the best. I mean, I think I think there's there's a good amount of love for Army of Darkness and yeah, curious I, who I, like who like the original. Yeah, a lot of people like the original. Uh, two's to me the best, and uh, I don't think the I don't think anybody would say the reboot is, the the 2013 version is the best. But like, no, it's fine. I I haven't seen it since 2013, but like, I kind of want to. So, I, three more. Bong Joon Ho's the host is a pretty great. Oh yeah, feature. yeah, that's a good pick. That's a that's a really obscure pick before he got super big too. Yeah, yeah, I think this was the movie that made him big because it came out, and then I think like Tarantino and some other filmmakers noticed it, and then like brought yeah. it to America, and then he got uh, maybe Snowpiercer was the next movie. I don't know. I can tell you off the top of my head right now. And then uh, Super Eight is enjoyable. It's mm-hmm. it's got some problems, but Super Eight's a fine film. Uh, and the very last one. It's a movie that's not good, but it's a movie I love. It's Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> awesome. Bad movie that I love. So, uh, any honor- any more that I missed? I'm sure, think of any honorable mentions. Like, I mean, it's a shame I didn't put like Night of the Living Dead on my list, but like, you know, th- these are, like I said, it's not like best, like things that I prefer. And Dawn of the Dead came first. So, I mean, of course, Night of the Living Dead. Uh, Pitch Black was definitely one of mine. I actually removed it off the list to put Dawn of the Dead on there. Yep. Put some respect on it. Um, sure, think of else as far as creature features. Uh, Werewolf in London. Um, was easily one I could have put on there um, that I really enjoy. I don't watch it that often, but then every time I watch it, uh, I have a good time. So uh, those are the ones that really come to mind. Werewolf by Night recently, that was cool. I actually really thought that was excellent. Mm-hmm. But that was honorable mention. Sure. Something outside the box for Marvel. So that was good. Yeah, it's I haven't seen it yet. I'm, gonna, I'm going to soon. I promise. I'm sure there's plenty of good things listed here as well. And, you know, if you want to go in the realms of if it only includes like a vampire or werewolf, like obviously what we do in the shadows and obviously Teen Wolf (laughs) would be in these conversations. But like we wanted to keep the spirit like, you know, creatures and man versus creature, you know, was kind of the idea. And Pan's Lambeth kind of breaks that. But like it is still man versus versus creature in a sense. You know, it's just the creature side with somebody and then the man is you know the yeah. nazis so <laughs> maybe the fly like that would be something i would put his honorable mention i did as well. see the fly listed um i just don't particularly like the movie so 
on, on several <laughs> of the lists I saw the fly was listed. So, yeah. and I cross referenced to a couple other things. Like I, I didn't think of Pan's Labyrinth and then it showed up. Yeah. I, I didn't see a lot of zombie, but I think people classify zombies as different, but like, no, it's almost its own like genre this way, right? It's like its own like, sub genre. Yeah, it almost is. But like, no, we should include zombies with creature features. Um, I also saw on a couple lists. I didn't. I didn't see Dracula, but I did see um, Frankenstein, and that would count. But I haven't oh, seen yeah. any Frankenstein movies. And um, the, the 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 Mummy, uh, which also have never seen any of the Mummy movies, but I'm sure the first Mummy is actually really good. Well, there's the original, like 1930 something mummy, right? That's that's pretty critically the, acclaimed. The, and then the 98 uh, mummy, yeah. And then people like the first Brendan Fraser one, and nobody liked the Tom Cruise one. No, but so. then everybody likes the Tom Cruise one. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. So, you know, at the very least, maybe some of those, but those are just I haven't seen. So, yeah, I, and I, and I think Dracula is kind of in its own. Like, I guess Dracula Vampire, but anyway, I almost put Bram Stoker's Dracula. I do actually really like that film, but I uh, just picked up the 4k for it of black Friday. I've never seen it. So if you're in the mood and if you really know what they're going for, it works. It like it lands. I couldn't remember because I I remember one of them from this, from that era was like way too ridiculous and people didn't like it. And I think that's the one with Keanu in it. I think I'm talking about, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. But like the one, yeah, if you can, uh, if you can ignore it, uh, you know, a couple of British accents okay. uh, falling flat, the visual style, like what they're going for. Because um, because I, I thought I remembered the one that has Keanu in it. People don't like. But the one with Gary Oldman in it, people really like Gary Oldman in it. And that's, I'm just now realizing they're the same movie. That's OK. Whatever. Uh, yeah. it's Like I said, there's 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 it's it's not a spotless movie for sure. But like there are gems in that movie, like Gary Oldman. And um, yeah, the, you know, just the direction overall is really great. Yeah. Cool. Well, that'll do it for that. Uh, I'm sure we're missing a bunch and I'm sure there's we could revisit this list in a year and have a different list. And that's great. As long as Alien will still be the top for us unless there's a really great creature feature coming out. Yeah. I mean, you could do an entire episode on this. Just talking about creature features. I I think if we were to do it again, I'd want to be a little bit more specific, not just say creature features, you know. Right. Uh, But I just like I could have done vampire movies, but like I don't. I'm trying to think of any vampire movies that I have seen. Like it's a very little list. I do like yeah. interview with the vampire as well. I haven't seen it. So no, I was even, and I'm thinking there's even like a, there's a movie that feels like a zombie movie, but they call them vampires. And, but it's not like, it's not this one. I, I like, I haven't seen warm bodies. I just, I, I thought about doing vampire movies, but I haven't seen. So uh, anyway, moving on to the spinoff. Joe, what is that one thing in any area of pop culture that you're... Oh, oh Dust Till Dawn. From Dust Till Dawn. I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what is that one thing in any area of pop culture that you're wanting to tell people to recommend or to, to, to check out or to stay away from? Yeah, most of them I usually have like a few. Um, but name one, um, really new one that I watched at the top. It's it's probably not uh, super new, but uh, it's uh, Rilakkuma and, uh, and Kauru. Um, it's a stop motion animation that's on Netflix. Uh, super cute, um, interesting. And like each episode kind of touches upon like a life lesson, which is really cool. Um, so I highly recommend that, especially if you like like Kubo and two strings and you know, that, that type of stop motion animation. Um, and then I, I mentioned it last week, but yeah, if you love anime and just off the wall, weird stuff, please watch Chainsaw Man. It's excellent. Especially if you, if you're a cinephile, you'll probably enjoy it, um, even more. So nice. highly recommend also Andor. Probably the best thing to happen to Star Wars since uh, Mandalorian. So check it out. Side praise. I 
first of all, my my review for Gotham Knights is now live on the site, so you guys can go check out that if you want an update from a spinoff that I did a week ago. I'm not going to talk about it here, though, uh, because you can go read my thoughts. Uh, I'm going to talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special because me and my wife watched that this week, and I loved it. <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> I, man, it's... I, I loved every bit of it and I, and then I went to letterbox and I saw like a lot of people were kind of mid on it and 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 Robert who like is pretty notorious for thinking that the only two like the two guardians movies and Black Panther are like the only legitimately good MCU movies and I think he thinks that Guardians 2 is better than one like he didn't like it and I'm like Man, I loved it like it didn't hit me as like deep in the emotions like I, I think some people like I remember some people's initial reaction was like, why did this 40 minute holiday special about kidnapping Kevin Bacon make me cry? And I'm like, I didn't, I never got there, but like, I, I, I laughed a good amount and that's really all I wanted. I, I wanted to laugh. I wanted to, to have a good time. And I thought the movie did exactly that. And then some, so I, I maybe I didn't have high expectations and it's, it's a 40 minute special. I just wanted to see some of my favorite characters having some fun. And you know what? They did. So mission accomplished. Good job, James Gunn. Now go do something interesting with the DCEU. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It was really well written. It it I guess some people would say it was filler, but I wouldn't say that. It progresses character, so to me that is never filler in my opinion. I mean, it progresses Craglin a little bit and Mantis it reveals that Mantis is Ego's daughter making. I'll tell, I'll tell you more or less like the. Depth. I guess I'm spoiling. I guess I'm spoiling things. Yeah, but more or less like the, the depth of emotion and like how people uh, are changing over time. To me, like those are the things that kind of like progress something forward. But uh, but but yeah, I I thought it was super excellent. Um, like I said, gut busting, funny at times. Um, yeah, uh, Drax and uh, what what did he, what did he call him? The little green man. Oh yes, the Drax and the little green man. <laughs> had me rolling because there's the moment where where like uh, mantis is, it, it, mantis is still has the, has the candy cane he's like wait i forgot my little green man and they're like do you want to make your friend happy or do you want the little green man and like you know he wants to say the little green man but he knows that he shouldn't and then eventually he does, like you that was it. that was hilarious i loved every uh, i i, I love the little green man was the funniest thing i love dave Batista. <sighs> he has such great timing well, and just the premise of it. What is the, we got to get Peter for something for Christmas. What is the one thing he's always talking about? Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> there, and there's a, uh, I have a fun fact. Cause I wanted to know, is that Kevin Bacon's house? Um, Cause I love when like directors. I, film I thought their the same house. thing. Yeah. I thought the same thing. It is not, um, nor is it James Gunn's house. It is, however, a celebrity's house. And that celebrity is David Crowder, singer, David Crowder. Oh, is it? Um, oh, cool. It's David Crowder's house, apparently. It's like, oh, not really. Some, maybe because it's the beard, but I expected David Crowder to live in something a little bit less modern. But and I, I like his, uh, I like his vibe. He's got good energy. It's awesome. Yeah, I was just like, that, that's cool. I hope that's Kevin Bacon's house because, like, I think like Joss Whedon did a uh, much much ado about nothing, like filmed in his own house, and like I'm almost positive Malcolm and Marie was shot in Sam Levinson's house. Like, I'm pretty sure. So anyway. Yeah, I had a blast. The little green man was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know how I missed that, but um, but yeah, I definitely I felt exactly the same. Uh, it was it was a great holiday special. It had two uh, Christmas songs that I actually liked and didn't hate, which is that's a great feat because yeah. I like Christmas music most of the time. So 
Oh, and um, also brings in other than just a brief like a glimpse of, but it introduces Cosmo the space dog, and yes. I love that. Yeah, she she was great. <laughs> yeah, because we got a we got a brief glimpse in I think the first Guardians because she's in the collector's cage, but like yeah, she's part of the team now, and it's like I want I hope that she's with the team. I hope that she's in Guardians three. Yeah, I hope so too. Anyway, uh, that's a wrap. So a quick reminder, that's the Pop Writers Room. It's part of the Studio DNA Network, and you can check out other great shows at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your, po- DNA in your podcast player. If you want to get in contact with the show, send us questions to explore it in the B-plot. We'd love that. Uh, writersroomshiphop.com for all that. Please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes or on Spotify if you're listening there. Spotify review is now a thing. Um, leave us five stars on Spotify. We'd love that. Uh, remember, you can follow Joe on Instagram. I'll have his um, handle in the episode description in case you want to copy paste. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter or Letterboxd at Schweitcastle. On next week, having a little bit of change of plans, rather than doing a TV catch up, I asked Kristen and I forgot to schedule a 2023 film preview episode. So we are going to um, kind of preview 2023 films that are coming out. We're, you know, we're not going to go in depth on them, but just in general, vague thoughts. So that'll be coming out next week instead of a TV catch up. So plenty of good things um, to talk about there and kind of get you in the mindset of maybe here's some things you should pay attention to. And here's some things you should be reminded because there's a million things coming out all the time and it's hard enough to just stay focused on one month in front of you. So um, let's get excited about the coming year. Uh, And then two weeks from now, Robert and I will be talking about the White Christmas uh, film for our goats episode. So Thanks guys for checking out. Thanks, Joe, for your time. Really appreciate it. No, it's always a blast. Thank you. We'll do it actually next month. So next second Wednesday of the month is our top five of the year. So the next time Joe's on will actually be the third Wednesday of the month. And we'll talk about Jade, Blade 2 and 3. So Joe, we'll see you in about five weeks. Oh, you, you'll you'll get a chance to speak a little. People get a chance to hear your voice between then. But we'll have you on again for a full episode, like five weeks. And so, yeah, we'll see you guys back here then. Bye.